Dr. Darcy. Yes, nurse. Uh, Dr. Darcy, we've got a very sick plant here. What do you think we should do? Hmm, let me get my gloves on for a thorough investigation. The Gardening Gang with Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy went together every Saturday morning. 8 till 10, right here at Coast FM 963. Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy, it is the Gardening Gang. Back for a Saturday morning, Cheryl, and what a gorgeous day to be alive today. <sighs> it is. There was a lot of fog coming down the M1. I've got to tell you from Lake Memora this morning, but you know what they say, when that fog lives, it's a beautiful day. Now, also a magnificent weekend for the finals of the World uh, Championships on Brisbane Water, the World Water Ski and Speedboat Champions. And they're out in force today, and the day has turned out to be just absolutely spectacular. So whatever you're doing today, if you're not gardening, get around the foreshore of the Brisbane Water at Gosford and enjoy some absolutely amazing skiing activity and powerboats. So that's been a marvellous success over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And this weekend we're also doing something in the gardening gang. We're exploding all these myths. Yes, we are, Pete. We absolutely are. There's, I guess, you know, the uh, politically incorrect term is old wives' tales. So all of those stories that you might have been told by other people in your family or you've written them in books and things like that, really, you know, we're going to explode them all. We don't know all the answers. I like to think I do, but I don't. And Pete definitely doesn't know them. So we've got a few of our favourite experts. We've got Luke DiVincenzo from Devo Designs. We've also got Clark. Everybody loves Clara from Permaculture Central Coast and also Clara's Urban Mini Farm and the wonderful Rachel O'Kell from our Green Sanctuary exploding all of those myths for us and putting them under the microscope. But I've got to tell you, Pete, I think some of them... I think some of them are true. That's what I think. Well, we'll find out in just a tick when we talk to uh, Luke of Devo Designs. On the gang today, being sponsored by Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. And I found a song about a myth that's called No Myth 3. Uh, Luke DiVincenzo is on the line this morning. Luke is uh, one of the better providers of services to people who'd like to, you know, construct a lovely garden. He is. And... Um, I'm just wondering if uh, Luke might like to respond to those uh, myths that we're talking about today, I've those got a gardening bunch myths. bunch of myths. Good morning, Luke. Good morning. So uh, what's our first myth, Cheryl? Right. For Luke. Watering your plants during the day is bad. Yeah, I love this one because um, nearly everyone tells me, oh, should we just not water during the day? I'm like... Can you imagine, like, farmers out in the country that have to water their crops all the time but they can't water during the day because all the crops will burn and die? Imagine. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Complete myth. He's, he's, water, he's water debunking them. it. He's deb- I suppose it rains during the day, doesn't it, as well? Oh, yeah, sun shower. Imagine the sun shower. And, look, the, the fact is, by the time the sun hits those water droplets on the leaves, mm-hmm. they evaporate before they can do any sort of damage. So, right. Um, Watering during the day, obviously it's sinking hot, but obviously the water evaporates quicker, so maybe there's a bit of water loss. But then also if you water in the afternoon and it's a hot, humid night, you get increased moisture and humidity, which can cause fungal rot. So, mm. look, just uh, if your plants need water, water them. That's how I look at it. Um, well, so, yeah. I All think right. you've, uh, you've opened my eyes to that one I too, mate, because I say to the bride, no, don't, don't go and water at midday. There's no point mm. doing that. Mm. And now she'll yeah. probably say, well, Luke DiVincenzo doesn't agree with <laughs> you. <laughs> He's debunked it. He's debunked it. He's yeah. debunked it. Go and go water your lawns and they'll burn during the day. Like, crazy. Now, yeah. Sherilyn's got a second one here, Luke. All right. Staking, mm-hmm. pla- staking plants is good. No, I'd say staking plants is good, I think so. Luke. Well, in a general setting, I think uh, not staking your plants allows the plants to establish a really strong um, foothold and their roots become stronger to the ground um, and they're forced to develop a strong root system. Uh, Whereas if we stake them, they're kind of dependent on the stake. Uh, that reminds right. me of a helicopter mum, you see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They're a bit uh, over, over-mothered. Over, that's um, it, over-mothered. Obviously, conditions where if it's a windy site or if it's mm. a large specimen tree or if it's a sloping area, then yes, staking just to help that mm-hmm. initial support. But um, All right. removing the stakes as soon as you can would be great. 
All right. Okay. Well, no, I can see that now. I now, why did you think, Sheldon, uh, before we let Luke uh, <laughs> loose on the next one, why, yeah. why did you think that oh. that myth was actually an accurate one? Because I mother my plants a bit too much. But then as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, yeah, but I do take my, my snakes you, you're out. You're allowed to challenge no, no. him, you know. I know. I do. No, I do. No, I agree with him. I was like, no, no. You could. But I like the fact that he said you can put them in, you know, sometimes and then take the steak out. So, in fact, I, I do agree with that. I do. I don't uh, need to. I think she's having a foot in each camp. I am a bit. All right, yeah, now this yeah. is... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sheldon, what's our third myth, myth? Our third myth. Now, this one I don't agree with. Lawns <laughs> are low maintenance, Luke. That's... Oh, my gosh. There are so many people that believe this. Luke, what do you believe or know? Uh, we, we are trying to transition our whole design concept to um, eliminate the old-fashioned style of having a big lawn backyard... Um, and a few reasons. It's a huge amount of maintenance. If you want a really nice lawn, you have to do selective herbicide treatment. You have mm. to aerate the lawn. You have to fertilize the lawn. You have to cut it once or twice a week. And trim the edges, other, I, all that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know any other plant that requires that much maintenance. Um, That's right. During summer, we've got to water. During winter, it goes a bit funny and we need to pre-fertilize in autumn. Mm. Like the list of care treatments just goes on. I don't know if you have plants in your garden or a nice pathway or walkable plants mm. none of that needs to happen no that's right they're just there no. there's that uh, people that's do think that they think oh but if i just have a lawn i don't have to worry about it and it's and easy it's maintenance so yeah. tr- it's not true. you put plants in and just let them do their thing and that's yep. it that's right um and sometimes it looks very unruly i might oh. add <laughs> i had yeah, yeah. a uh, a rally of mine who had one of those sort of uh, let it go kind of front yards mm. it looked mm. atrocious because everybody else in the street had these lovely manicured lawns mm. and then we mm. came to the you know the forest of uh you know I tranquility like, no, I like that. on one block i love that yeah Look you know what's worse than an unruly garden is an unruly lawn that's two foot tall. <laughs> well done, Luke. Yes. Oh, touche. Yes, there you go. Well, there's three myths that have been, um, well, you know, busted and, and, and torn apart. We've got a little bit of information there. I like it. Uh, good, sensible stuff there, Luke. I sort of half agree with most of that, but I'm only <laughs> having a foot in both, both camps as well, like Sherlock did. Hmm. I'll take your word yeah. for it, buddy. Nice talking to Luke DiVincenzo from uh, Devo the Designs. De- that's it, Devo Designs today. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Luke. Lovely talking about. This is Coast FM with the gang this morning. The gardening gang heard every Saturday morning at Coast FM. Pete Little and Sherlock Darcy this morning. We're with the gardening gang today. And Cheryl and Darcy today come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. Talk to people about... Myths. Myths. <laughs> oh, myths. M-Y-T-H-S. Did I say myths? In the gardening world. Myth. Well, uh, Rachel O'Kell's joining us now. She Rachel's is. a regular here. TAFE teacher extraordinaire and all that kind of stuff. Rachel O'Kell <laughs> is from Our Green Sanctuary as well as being well, an probably, amazing TAFE teacher. She's probably she the knows, Prime Minister as well, but let's not worry about that. <laughs> but she knows about houseplants, so we want to know about houseplant myths, Rachel. Have you got any there? I've got some for you, mm-hmm. and I think some of them might surprise you, so let's just see. Let's see. Myth one. Okay. Wilting plants are always thirsty. Ooh. It's a myth. And it's difficult to debunk because... Wilting plants. It might be a seasonal thing as well, I'm thinking. It could be. Ah. But a wilting plant could, in fact, be thirsty. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily the only reason a plant is wilting. Okay. What else could it be? Well, plants wilt when they're stressed. A bit like me. (laughs) I wilt. (laughs) So it could be a plant had too much water mm-hmm. it could be a pest attack or a disease could be what's stressing the plant out so mm-hmm. it's always important to check the plant's potting mix before determining that the plant actually does need a drink and it's wilting because it's thirsty right. if the potting mix is okay. wet mm-hmm. then it's probably too wet and it definitely needs to dry a bit more and I would poke holes in the soil to encourage oxygen because it's wilting because there's no airflow. There's Suffocating. No available. That'll make yeah. it wilt. Yeah. All right. That's right. Well, that's a very good can, response there to the... Uh, yeah, very yeah, good okay. response. Uh, well that's done. Good. All right. I hadn't thought... I thought every wilting plant had a problem. 
And the only way out was a little touch of Viagra, of course. They oh, come alive Pete, then. <laughs> they do. I know that, that they is do. A, yes, it's a, a chemical fa- in I know. There. You, you have been dining. Keep your plants alive. You have been dining out on that fact <laughs> for a year now, and I've I've had enough of it. Anyway, myth number two. Moving on, please, Rachel. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I feel like I've heard it before too, Cheryl. Yes, I know. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> All right. So you might disagree, and look, there is some truth to this myth, but I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you. So mm. house plants clean the air. Oh, look, I was going to say, yes, it's true. It is to an extent. However, mm. the process that houseplants do, the scientific process, is called respiration. It involves them taking in carbon dioxide and releasing oxygen, and they're trapping these VOCs, these volatile organic compounds, mm. transporting them through their vascular system to mm. their roots and then converting them into energy mm. using the microbes in the soil. To what one or two house plants can achieve in a large space. Mm. So, ah. the study that NASA did in 1989, the test was conducted in the sealed chamber. So, of course, they were going to say that the air was all nice and clean because it was a little box. They had just one plant ah. in a little box. And so, they're t- taking samples of the air from this small box. When you have the air exchange from windows being open outside to inside you've got new furniture you've got paint on the walls you've got all of these elements that bring in these volatile organic compounds one or two house plants ain't going to cut it you need to have at least i think it's five house plants for five square meters so it's like one house plant per square meter oh okay so there you go i think it's partially a myth i think it's misunderstood so oh, that's okay. why okay did, did you say it's misunderstood <laughs> yeah. oh no now number three number three rachel <laughs> okay this one's a good one and i think lots of people get confused here mm-hmm. uh, as to how this works but misting your house plants increases humidity Oh. Well, I would think uh, that's a bunch of hokum pokum. Oh, is that what you... I, oh, I think, it, I think it does increase the humidity. Well, there you uh, go. Oh, I'm out. O'Kell and myself are on the uh, right for how long? page here. For how long? Oh, yeah, not very long, I suppose. <laughs> yes. So, you, if you see houseplant collectors on Instagram, they're running humidifiers. They're they not are. using those cute glass bottles that's true that is true that is true if you're simply spritzing your house plants once a day it's only going to raise the humidity around the plant for about five minutes oh wow it's not not much no because it it just evaporates it disappears and depending on the temperature Mm -hmm. of your home will really depend on how quickly those water droplets are going to have an effect Mm -hmm. and if they're sitting on the leaves for too long then they can actually cause problems like detrimental problems oh yeah so, yeah so they're yeah, worthwhile when you're exactly. taking photographs that's about all mm. huh yeah look they're cute don't get me wrong like i want one i don't have one yet like it's mm. on my list for you well thank you rachel that's pretty pretty hot stories love there love those i think sherilyn's standing agog here she's just going oh i thought i knew everything wrong <laughs> wrong <laughs> rachel thanks for your uh, input today in the gardening gang as we answer all those myths in the garden Thank you, Rachel. That's Rachel O'Kell from Our Green Sanctuary. You can find them online. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Coast FM, we're on the Gardening Gang every week between 8 and 10. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy feeling good on this Saturday morning. Now, Sherilyn, mm. I think Clara is at the door. Okay. Clara has come all the way from Narara. <laughs> come in, Clara. There she is. Clara Rosa is also the president of Permaculture Central Coast. What have you done with your gorgeous face today? You look so gorgeous oh, in the morning. thank you. I put some sunscreen on and then <laughs> I went outside. I should learn by that too. Yes, you should. You know what? We've been talking about myths today, Clara, and there are a lot of myths around permaculture. Myth number one that you hear about. Well, have you ever seen, I've seen this sometimes on websites or packaging and it's a real bugbear of mine, where they say that it's grown oh, chemical-free. Yes. That's on heaps of things, chemical-free things when you buy chemical them. Chemical-free gardening. I see it a lot. A lot, yes. Can't you believe that? 
Well, it's it is really difficult to believe, Pete, because for starters, water is H two O, a chemical. <laughs> as a scientist, that has always perplexed me as to how something could could be chemical free. I imagine some sort of vacuum being handed over to someone. Ah, because that so would be the only thinks... way to achieve it. Yeah, right. Okay, so yeah. there you go. So things aren't actually chemical free. They so could things... be free range. They could that's be a bit different. What does that mean? But that's even that, chickens. not you know. That's You've got chickens. Are they really range free or re- no, free range? I don't call them that. I call them my sweet little angels. <laughs> oh, running around the garden. You've got a to get myth. there, Pete. It's fantastic. It's really good. All right, myth number two. All right. Well, permaculture gardens have to be organic. Well, there's nothing really that says they have to be organic. Permaculture actually talks about design principles and ethics. So. Mm-hmm. It's about following these design principles within an ethical framework of people care, fair share and earth care. Uh So, so long as you're acting within that framework, it doesn't necessarily mean that absolutely no chemicals are being used because, again, water is a chemical. doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we're absolutely organic. So, for example, if you're eating organic eggs, that would mean that those chickens haven't been fed antibiotics. Oh, you know, there could be, like me and my permaculture system, if one of my chickens gets an infection, I do give them antibiotics. Of course. I don't don't feel... Sick chalks, no. That's right. I don't... And I feel like that's part of the permaculture ethic because I'm caring for the creatures and I'm behaving ethically. It doesn't mean that I'm supplementing all of their feed and pumping them full of antibiotics all the time. Mm -hmm. But when there is a disease, I am treating it in a way that is going to cause the least amount of harm to the environment and to the animals. I've heard a little bird tell me that your views are not always shared with your fellow permaculturalists. Well, you know, within every organisation there's a spectrum and there might be the diehards who absolutely believe in absolutely no medication, but, you know, if my animals are sick, they get medication. That's very Very good. good. There we go. Very Very good. good All right. Now, the third one we're going to cover here from the voice of Clara from Narara is you don't live in Narara. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's popular a that's a popular myth that's been spread by one particular individual. Yes, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the real myth number three? Well, another myth that I've heard is often you know have you, when you buy a seed packet and mm-hmm. you have a look and there's often a, a plant spacing guide. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, so a lot of people sort of think that that is the you know the max the minimum distance that you have to plant these seeds apart from each other, but. Mm-hmm. Of course, that refers to a monocrop. So it doesn't necessarily apply to a permaculture system. So in a permaculture system, you wouldn't necessarily need to follow those planting guides at all because you're not growing it the way that traditional agriculture would. You've got more, probably more nutrients, you've got a more established system Mm -hmm. and you can stack plants on top of each other without mm. having to worry too much about what the seed packet instructions say. Right, so that's if you bought sort of beans. Pete, Pete's looking very perplexed over there. <laughs> so if you bought a, a packet of beans and you wanted to plant them, they would say something like, I don't know, 30 centimetres apart each bean plant. So what she's meaning in permaculture is we wouldn't be putting all the beans together. We'd be beans, tomatoes, whatever, all in there. In that wonderful design, sort of organic look that you love, Pete, not... <laughs> a, a disorganised array of plants. Yeah, it's, I know. I know you don't really like that sort of look, <laughs> but I love it. It's organic and it looks like a little forest. It looks really good and it works. All right, any more myths there? Um, well, I guess another popular one is that if you apply a hardwood mulch, that it's necessarily going to suck the nutrients out of your system. Now, I've heard this a lot. Don't mm. use hardwood mulches. I have heard this quite a lot, that you should use soft things for just that reason. Yeah, so it definitely is better to use like a leafy or a soft mm. mulch because it will break down more quickly and mm. it will allow new seeds to come up. But hardwood mulch or even a leafy mulch or arborist mulch, which is important because you can can actually get that for free in bulk quantities True. rather than having to pay for something that's been bagged up at you know the big green shed mm-hmm. so basically people say that it's going to rob nutrients it's not quite that simple so there is a process that occurs on the top layer of the mulch when organic matter breaks down sometimes it can use up a bit more nitrogen mm-hmm. but often what you find is that that's quite localized to the top and if your plants are already established with roots underneath it's not really going to impact them 
Wow. And it's only a temporary phenomenon because once it does break down, all of that nutrients is then going to go into the dirt and mm-hmm. be used up by your plants. So overall, it's a plus to your system, not a negative. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to also bust open the myth as well that uh, the Coast FM Gardening Gang is the number two rated program on a Saturday morning. <laughs> it's the number one. It is number one. Thank we you, are Clara. number one on the coast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably thanks to people like Clara being on here, Pete. Absolutely. It's all the teamwork here on Coast FM every Saturday morning. Thank you, Clara. Always lovely to see you here. So that was Clara, and she's the president of Permaculture Central Coast. Clara, we can find out more about permaculture on Central Coast at... So if you Google us, Permaculture Central Coast will be the first website that comes up, but we've also got a Facebook page and a really active Facebook group and we'd love you to join us there as well. Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy. It's Saturday morning mm. on the central coast of New South Wales and after a little bit of rain yesterday, Cheryl, we're good for the garden. Very good for it's the garden. It's going to be a fairly fine weekend and young Vicky, well, hot Vicky. Oh, she's very hot. Young and hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From Narara Valley I'll Nursery. <laughs> Joining us right now. Oh, Vicky, good morning to you. you morning, you. hot Vicky. <laughs> good morning. You guys have made my day already. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's just all about gardening, isn't it? Now, what's hot in the gardening scene at the moment, Vicky? All right. Well, before we start, I just want to say that there are two fans of the show, Ron and Janelle. Yeah. They listen every single week. And today, it's Janelle's birthday, and I just want to say a big happy birthday. I hope you're getting very spoiled. <laughs> they absolutely love the show. So, yeah, it's, let's hope that she has a great day. Wow. Okay, Janelle, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Certainly, Janelle. we love to have our... Well, we can't do it every week. Don't, no, we don't can't. you dare bring us a birthday call every week, Vicky. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm it's, in the we'll birthday world. Today. A special dispensation <laughs> for uh, for Janelle. Now, what is happening around the nursery world at the moment, Vic? All right. Well, Burbank at Erin Heights are chockers full of blueberry bushes and passion fruit vines. Haven Garden Centre have got lovely local hero Geraldton waxes. They're full of flowers. And don't forget that they also sell bulk soil and mulch and they provide delivery mm-hmm. and if you're looking for water plants head over to Forest's Beach Garden Centre because they've got lots and lots of water lilies and lotus and lots of other goodies and mm. Kingcumber Homewares located next to Kingcumber Mitre 10 have the Mr Lincoln Rose. <gasps> Pete they're very popular those Mr you Lincoln's. You've often referred to the Mr Lincoln's mm. and I'm not one that knows much about Mr Lincoln's but <laughs> Very fragrant and very, very red. Yes. Now, I noticed you haven't mentioned uh, Lee Rowan's Gardening World. There's a bit of a tip that they might be uh, closing down at Arimba. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they possibly could be. I'm not sure 100%, but there is little birdies twerking around the place. Oh, that would be Ooh. unfortunate. That'd be unfortunate. One of the prominent garden nurseries on the coast. Mm. Uh, Where did you get tough. that gossip from? I don't know. You know a bit there'll more a than few, I do. Well, there'll be a few specials there, I'm sure, before they close. Oh, they are going to close. Anyway, you know. oh, that's right. But there's gossip. no way in the world there are a Valley Nurseries closing. No way, no way. <laughs> no way, Jose. So what's happening there, Vic, with uh, the big deal this week? The big deal is the same as last week because you can't miss out on this. It's our huge pre-Christmas sale. Save 20% off pots, water features and bird baths. The sale ends the day before Christmas, so you've got plenty of time, but don't diddle daddle, get in now and get yourself a big bargain. Now, Vic, when do you get your Christmas tree supply? Is that a couple of weeks off yet, is it? They're coming in the first week of December. So you'll beat the Rotary Club? <laughs> no, we probably won't beat the Rotary Club. I think theirs are coming on the 2nd and 3rd of December, so... Uh, there's a big sign up at Liz Rose Shops. If you're driving past us, check the sign. Okay. Well, looking forward to the big uh, big season coming. Uh, once the trees start arriving, that's mm. when it all starts to happen. Oh, yes. We Jingle get the vibe then. It's all right. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, Sherlyn's ready here now for the gardening gang game. Right. Is it a fact or is it a fib? And Vicky, I'm leading. Yeah, you are. Vicky, you've got to try yes, really hard with this one. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. So we've all heard of fake plants. Kmart's full of fake plants and, uh, you know, they're, they're nice. You have these fake flowers around. Anyway, people who can't have vegetable gardens are sort of thinking, you know, I wish I had a vegetable garden or at least a herb garden. So somebody has come up with a solution. And this company is called 
I can hardly pronounce it, Akiko, I'm sorry, it's a Japanese company, and they've come up with fake vegetable gardens and fake herb gardens. So they're, they're in a box, like a pop-up box, and you stick them into your planters, and they're so realistic. They look like you've got a vegetable garden because they said, you know, especially in Tokyo and places to like that. To impress your neighbours, eh? To impress your neighbours. So, you know, you have the nice flowers to impress your neighbours. They're becoming really popular in other countries, surprisingly in the United States as well, because in Japan it's because they don't have, you know, the weather that's conducive to having vegetable well, gardens all the, the time. you uh, one of those uh, edible garden trails, the fake <laughs> edible gardens. <laughs> that's right. You can join it. You can go, look how good my garden is. <laughs> anyway, people just don't have the time in Japan and places like that, but it's becoming very popular in America. I don't know if it'll take off here, but are fake herb and vegetable gardens a fact or a fib? I can tell you what they are. They're utterly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh that. Well, have a, a stab. Have a stab. Have a stab there, Vic. Uh, well, nothing surprises me anymore, and I'm going to look in through because it's probably that ridiculous that people would do it. And I'm going to be with you today, Vic. I'm not going to go against your decision there. I think it's also a fact as well. Is it? Well, you're both wrong. <laughs> oh, it's fib. It's an absolute oh. fib. I'm such a good actress, and Absolutely. the Academy Award goes to oh. Sherilyn. Yay! Oh, I Stumbled on the manufacturer's name. I was like, if he's stumbling on it, it's got to be true. I know. That was, that was, a, <laughs> good, that was a good touch there, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, that got me right. fooled. Okay, well. Right. Well, I'm... you're both even now, all right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, there you go, Vic. We both uh, fell on our sword today. Okay, well, good to talk to you, Vic, and we'll catch you next week. Next week, by the way, we're going to be coming, Coast FM's Gardening Gang, we're going to be coming from the, um, just across the railway line from you at Alan Graham's Caravan. So yeah, we will. If yeah. you want to come across the railway track and do your show with us here in the studio, the fake uh, pop-up studio. In a ca- we're in a caravan, aren't we? Well, we are. Actually. We are. We're sitting in a caravan. Oh, come along, come along. But don't jump over the train tracks. Go the long way around, please, please. <laughs> okay. Coast FM with the gang, Pete, Sherlin and Vicky this morning. And thanks for joining us. And also happy birthday to... Janelle. Lachlan McDonald. Sherilyn mm. and uh, one of our favourite community gardens at East Gosford, for example, are having a big fundraiser next weekend, Sherilyn. They do, Pete, and I've yes. got Joan Chippingdale on the phone right now. Hello, Joan. Good morning, Sherilyn and Pete. Lovely to talk to you again. Now, why do you guys need money? Have you, are you running well, short of dollars, are you? <laughs> it's, it's not even so much to raise money as to, and we can always do with that, so that we've got our lovely uh, plants and seedlings to sale, yeah. but it's to just get the general community and public, if they haven't already been and visited our lovely garden, they just come and have a lovely little leisurely wander around and uh, mm. and uh, enjoy the garden and chat so to our garden. So it's an open garden. day, okay? Open day. Meet so the team. Just a, Sorry? I said meet the team. Sometimes people it's are a little it. scared of who's at the that's garden it. and meet what goes the team on. And, and uh, ask any, any any questions you might have about your own garden and plants and uh, anything that we might be able to help you with and check out what's happened in our garden since we started way back in 2017 Ooh. and what we're doing now, how things are going. So that's just... It's like a general lovely little... It's a lovely thought, you know, Joan. I mean, Sherilyn keeps her eye on most of the community gardens on the coast. Do many of them have uh, these open days, Sherilyn? Uh, they they have bits and pieces from now from time to time they do, and a lot of them were open during the Edible Garden Trail as well. Yes, so yeah. part okay. of that. That's well, right. and we didn't. We weren't for some reason. I'm not sure. We just didn't get ourselves together or get on um, get on board. But uh, we're doing this now. We're having lots of people just pop by and say hello and check things out in the garden because we've got a mm. couple of different varieties of gardens that we have. We have our wicking beds, our raised wicking beds. Oh, and, uh, that's good. And we have our no dig garden. So, mm. but it's you know, Cheryl, it's just a lovely little. Oasis down there to come and you can sit and have your coffee or, yeah. or come and you know have a little wander around it. And we have got the uh, our, um, our gardeners have been work, working hard getting our seedlings, vegetables, a variety of vegetables, mm. flower seedlings, and some other nice plants. You might pick something up for someone for a Christmas present. Oh, you've got plants for sale. sale, have you? Mm. Oh, and plants for sale. There we go. And herbs and 
We'll even have some nice fresh uh, bay leaves from our trees and oh, lots of nice fresh mint if you'd like a bunch of fresh mint. So that's the sort of just a nice relaxed morning, and, you know, enjoying the garden. That's the idea. We'll get to know the gardeners. And if you might think you might be interested in, uh, you know, coming along and joining us and being a helper in the garden as well. Good introduction. Well, that's next weekend at uh, the uh, East Gosford Community Gardens, which is uh, directly opposite the East Gosford Progress Hall. Parking is yeah. generally quite a- available there, that round there at the... Uh, well, across the road you'll get some. It it's, can be a bit challenging, but you'll you'll find something there. Oh, I'm sure you yeah. will. Okay, well, Sherilyn <laughs> so will front up in her... Sherilyn will front up in her uh, Mercedes Benz, and uh, I don't have a Mercedes Benz, Pete. And also, I'll be I'll be at the I'll be at the outside broadcast next week with you, Pete, in the caravan of uh, (laughs) a caravan of kindness. We have an outside broadcast at Alan Graham's caravans and RVs at Wyoming next week. So uh, Ah, yeah, so we'll be there. Yes. Yeah, we we'll can't come along, you but... We'll for the garden uh, sometime, too. Yes, well, well that'd be wonderful. Well, thanks, uh, Joan, Joan Ch- Chippendale there from the East Gosford Community Gardens right here this morning at Coast FM. Come and support them next weekend. And you're listening to Coast FM 963. Little and Cheryl and Darcy this morning with the gardening gang. It's always nice to bring Doreen into the picture on a Saturday morning. Sure is. She's got the RV. You know, we've got ourselves uh, someone here as an expert in taking off around the uh, environs in her the RV. Quick trips, quick trips. Where are we off to? Can. Well, before we do the market report, hmm. Doreen, let us know where you're going this weekend in your beautiful, beautiful RV. I really like that thing. You want to oh, sell it to thank me? Thank you. Well, no. no. My husband's very attached to that, even uh, more than me. Well, I know you paid oh. a lot of money for it, so I yes. guess it's been looked after very well. It is, lovingly. So where are we off to? Well, we're thinking of Stroud. Stroud's a nice oh, country town. Okay. We, we love Gloucester too. But Stroud's a lovely little country town. They have a good butcher there, good coffee shops, you know, all the things we like. I often drive through Stroud and never mm. stop. Just, oh, no, it you looks should. like the most boring place in the world. <laughs> Oh, it's not. Oh, it's lovely. Please. No, it's, it's sort of old houses and things like that. Oh, that's oh, nice. It's, it's a very that. expensive fuel station there, mate. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's looking like a little trendy country town ah, now. Ah, okay, right. Nice. Well, I might stop hmm. next time. Apart right. from the petrol station. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now Doreen's been doing some work on the markets around the coast. And uh, now the report will commence in earnest. Absolutely. So today, Edelong Fresh Food Markets are being held today and every Saturday at the Broken Bay Scout Hall on Picnic Parade between 7 and 1. You'll find fresh fruit and veggies, eggs and deli items on sale. Now here's a different one. The Central Coast Stamp and Coin Fair is on at the Masonic Village Lake Haywin today and tomorrow between 10 and 4. You can buy, swap or sell or get free evaluations, advice and appraisal of your hidden treasures. There's free parking and free entry. As stamps. Yes, stamps and coins. Okay. Mm. Um, Easy. You got any of those on you today? You wanted me to appraise them? Not a lot. Oh, there's a $50 (laughs) note. I'll appraise that $50 note and get it back to you later on. I think we're all too electronic now anyway. (laughs) Yes. Okay. The Holy Trinity... The Holy Trinity Anglican Church on Serpentine Road, Terrigal, is holding a market today between 8 and 12. The shed has lots of wonderful bargains and the usual items like electrical goods, bric-a-brac and plants. There's a barbecue and Devonshire teas also available and the church's op shop will be open. Now, Her Cave is a non-profit organisation where ladies learn and teach craft at the Canwall Community Hall. They are holding their last market for the year between 9 and 2. You'll find homemade goods, plants, a Christmas raffle and a white elephant stall, along with barbecues and soups or sandwiches if you're hungry. And the Gosford Waterfront Market is on today between 9 and 2 at the Gosford City Park, which is near East Street and Drifter's Wharf. There's lots of stalls offering local produce, handmade goods and health and wellness. And another one for today, the Heritage Village Tookley are having their market day today. It's being held between 8.30 and 12.30 and the address is 2 Evans Road, Canton Beach. There'll be craft stalls, homemade goodies, white elephant stall, Devonshire tea and lots of nice things to eat and drink. 
And there's also a chocolate wheel with prizes and there's ten hams to be won. Only ten? We're giving away at least five at Coast FM. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> well, ten, ten. Oh, no, we're, we're being outdone. <laughs> yes, but, um, we are. Yeah, so, but anyway, it's a cash-only event and all money raised will go to Christmas presents for the children. Oh, lovely. OK, big breath there. Now we'll turn the page and check out tomorrow's markets for the coast, eh? OK. Tookley Lions Club markets are on near Coles Tookley between 8 and 1. Go along and browse through their stalls and grab a bargain or two. Gosford City Farmers Market is being held tomorrow at the showground between 7 and 1 and they have live entertainment. Chat to local farmers and growers. There's a large range of fruit and veggies, eggs, deli items, fermented foods and plants. There's also international food and coffee and snacks. And the Yamina Beach Market's being held tomorrow between 9 and 2 next to the Surf Club. There are lots of stalls with everything you can possibly find in a market, including gourmet hot food, arts and crafts, local fruit, deli items and fashion. The event is also pet friendly and there's an ATM on site. And wrapping it up, for second-hand goods and specialty items, check out the Entrance Lions Club Charity Market being held tomorrow and every Sunday between 8.30 and 12.30 in the Denning Street car park. Okay, well done, Doreen. That's a very comprehensive report, and so much happening That's over a big the weekend. weekend. That's yeah. a lot. This would be really good for Christmas shopping, Pete. Well, Absolutely. Well. Right, yeah. Thanks, Doreen, for that, and enjoy the uh, little trip there to um, what are we up to Stroud. Stroud. I think diesel fuel there is about two dollars forty. Ooh. So uh, take your own tank. You might pay a little less <laughs> around here. <laughs> Coast FM with uh, the gardening gang, Pete Sholin and Doreen Everett. This beautiful weekend on the Central Coast Mm. and uh, Paulie Max joined us now to talk about uh, the restaurant world. Hello. Christmas is just around the corner. Isn't it just? We're generally going out, having a nice (laughs) restaurant meal to celebrate the uh, festive season, Paul. Mm -hmm. There's a new trend about sharing plates with your mates. Yeah, Have you seen that in some of the restaurants yeah, where you, look, rather than been, having all separate foods, they that. all share um, two or three plates and eat off it? Yeah. And I yeah. sit there going, How do you oh, feel? I don't mind the bride sharing, <laughs> but would I share with wow. the Darcy's? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. So it is, I suppose, reasonably new. Um, people have mixed feelings, you know, and I remember pre-COVID, um, you could share just about anything. And then it was the most unfashionable thing in the world mm. to share anything, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But one of the kind of strange thoughts I had when we went to singular plates, we were doing singular versions of everything yep. because nobody wanted to share. Of course. But everyone would eat off a knife with a knife and fork that had been <laughs> in 600,000 people's mouths <laughs> beforehand. And I just... Well, but, I guess it depends on how well you know the people you're going to be eating with. I mean, it was a business so You discussion. don't ask for, a, like, a medical uh, certificate or anything before you have lunch? <laughs> or should what I share with some of my advertising mates here? Oh. But I've seen it, Pete. I'm in Sydney a lot at the mm. moment doing some training, and I've walked past some of these very flash restaurants in Sydney, and they have the most peculiar things as share plates, and I'm thinking, these are business people in there having mm. them. You know, roast dinners as share plates almost. And I was like, steak and things like that. It's quite easy for the kitchen. It's easier for the kitchen. I'm sure it is. It's Ah. more cost effective for the kitchen. And it's simpler for service. It's simpler for front front and back of house. Mm. Um, So it's a win for the business. I imagine less waste because someone's going to finish the plate off, aren't they? (laughs) That's right. There's always someone. There's always somebody. (laughs) Somebody hungry. But how do I feel about it? Mm. I like to have my own plate. Yeah, I'm a bit odd about that. Things need to be in the right place on the plate and they need to be in the right (laughs) ratios. Like beans at 12 o'clock, steak at 3 o'clock. Sausages at breakwater. So you've got sausage at the breakwater. Okay, what about um, the the half hour? What goes in the half hour? Well, I always turn my plate. This is odd. Ah, the cross plate. To feel the the right place. So the project has to be at particular... I've never thought about where... But I always, always choose a particular favourite knife and fork at home. All right. Particular bowl plate. Don't eat on a flat plate because that's weird. But a bowl plate always. And everything has to be in the right kind of... Well, if you can draw a conclusion here with this shared plate, I mean, we Mm. always share the Kentucky Fried Box at home. Everyone's into it, you know what I mean? Hands in there, grab a bit of chicken, a couple of chips, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, mates as well. Mates and family. Oh, yeah. Do you know I'm wondering, Paulie, because you're a chef and you're in restaurants, do you see people coming along, you know, having a romantic dinner or lunch, having a share plate? Is that a a thing? It depends on how far through or how 
how much they're into the relationship. Oh. Like it's a new thing. No. Because that's what I was hey, thinking, like, you know. I've seen no. a, a new couple together, well, mm. a fairly new couple, in a restaurant, mm. licking each other's fingers that's at so the end. What? How about that? Really? Yes. Weird. It was very, very, shall we say... Intimate? That's the <laughs> was word. Was it food on their fingers or was it yes. just kissing oh. and sort of... No, it was eating, know, like you that. know, she's got his fingers and she's sick, you know, it's very it's oral. It's a trifle. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe she was uh, giving him an offer later in the okay. afternoon. Just, can we <laughs> no, I've not seen it. I don't know how I'd feel about somebody licking my fingers. The, um, ah. I've got an uncle that would always finish my food from my plate. <laughs> from his plate. So he would probably hope he's not listening, but are you finished with that, Paul? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And he would get into it. You know. That's it. And I don't know how... My other half does that. that all the time. Really? Oh, it annoys, it annoys it me. me. Because it, you know what? I, I think that... What are you trying... I'm like this. What are you trying to well, say? What <laughs> annoys... In regard to that, what annoys me, we have a couple we often dine mm-hmm. out with and go away with. Yep. And as soon as the plate arrives in front of my mate... His wife starts gobbling food off it. I've seen and I that think, a lot. Oh, fading! Uh, and your buddy will order reach, that. Yeah. Did you reach for a chip? And he sits yeah. back. He sits back and puts his arm. He puts his arms together and says, "Well, you know, have, have your food before really? I get into mine." What? So did she go? Oh, oh no, I don't she, want chips. Yeah, and happens. then he orders it, and it then off she goes. It drives me crazy. Wow! Wow! wow. So I think that it's not for everyone. Share plates. <laughs> no. I think we've turned everybody off the whole concept of shared plates. Well, it's, you know what the idea is to me when I see it? It's you got a fork and you're putting it in your mouth. It's you're going right. back to your thing it's with you. But then you thing. It's double dipping. Yeah. Then you're forking into things you, um, and off you go. You should oh. watch uh, Colin Fastage on, on Instagram. He's got this team of haters that follow him around. And because he's double, he's, he sits down with a pot and he... Um, he says, oh, I've had an Irish stew, whatever. And then yep. he, do- he goes, double dip and triple dip. <laughs> and he does it on purpose. <laughs> because there's, there's some Karen at home going, I saw you. Double dip. Doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Put your fingers in there. It's fine. No, it's too much double, triple dipping for me for the yeah. share plates up. <laughs> on that note, well, thank you very much, Paul, oh, for anytime. that one, mate. It's always nice to get your opinion. Help of- yourself to this. I brought this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's only dipped twice. <laughs> It is the gang with Coast FM and Paul E. Mac every Saturday. Coast FM, Pete Little, Cheryl and Darcy. It is the gardening gang this morning. Tanya is our pet vet nurse who joins us most every Saturday morning here at the gardening gang. Talk about pet care and uh, mm. pet behaviour, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Cheryl has got two lovely dogs and they're so well behaved, <laughs> she wouldn't even consider what we're going to talk about today. That mm. is how to... Keep your pets under control. Oh, if so they're, they're good. naughty. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, guys. Well, naughty dogs, cats, guinea pigs, the like. Oh, <laughs> how far can we push the friendship? Yeah, like can or you, the patience. The, well, let's start with dogs, Tanya, because you know a lot of people have dogs on the central coast and other pets. But how do you discipline a naughty dog? Well, let's take one incident here. Uh, a brand new dog, and the dog doesn't want to do its toiletry outside. How Ooh. do we do that? How do we fix that? Oh, oh yeah, look, that, it, it is tricky, but consistency is key. You know, these these pets that we have, they watch us all the time, oh. and they know if we're not going to follow through. Just like children, they know if we're going to give in. We might take their toy away, they know if we're going to give it straight back because that's what we do. Oh. And, you know, they they know they know what they can get away with and they know they know what they can't. So absolutely consistency is key. And consistency with every single family member. And I think that's that's the really hard part. Like there's no point having the mum of the family being super strict and then dad just letting them get away with everything. Oh, sounds like my um, place. I'm called the sheriff. I'm actually called... <laughs> you know what everyone says? When I get home, it's like, uh-oh, the sheriff's come back. Yes, <laughs> girl. You, yeah. get, you get sent into the laundry. That's what you get. That's you get the lock-up. <laughs> the well, naughty laundry. And, you know, everybody needs to be the same because otherwise... Like I say, they're a lot smarter than what we think, and they they watch us constantly, and they know they know that they can get away with things with mum or with dad, mm. and not with mum. Mm. So consistency is 
absolutely the key. Okay. So, okay, well, so we've got this dog, um, cat, whatever it is, and they're doing their business indoors still. Uh, at what age? Oh, cats are a whole different ballgame. Oh, okay. Oh. You're a bit biased. I know that, Tanya. <laughs> oh, you're, right. you're right, actually. I want to throw a cat one in there because I've seen this with one of my friends. How do you stop your cat scratching on all the furniture all the time? Are we talking about the do- doing their business? She just said consistency. So it's oh, like, okay, you know, right. tell them the dog, get, get out. <laughs> okay, that's the, so. The secret of all this is to be consistent with uh, their uh, with their training, and uh, yeah, look, and don't give in. And as far as toileting with dogs, you know, usually providing providing there's nothing else going on, usually they are like clockwork. Okay, so mm. they will want to go after their food. If you watch your dog, you will notice that there are you know also pretty consistent forms oh, okay. that they need to go to the toilet. Okay, so if you have a puppy or or a new dog that's not used to being in the house, they are usually um, like clockwork when they go to the toilet. Okay, so it's a matter of taking them out straight away. Mm. You know, there's no point smacking them when they've gone to the toilet inside because they don't understand. Going to the toilet isn't a bad thing for for an animal. It's just like it's not a bad thing for us. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't smack a child for going to the toilet inappropriately. You need to um, watch encourage and, and reward. Okay. Absolutely. That being said, I used to have this Malamute, and he was he was and he was really obedient. He got off the bed, walked over to the rug in the room, lifted his leg, and peed. Now that so leads me to ask the question: What <laughs> kind of Punishment <laughs> was that it turned out there. Yeah, he went outside. Did I just you... said no, and he went outside. Oh, don't you get that... You're very soft. <laughs> I would have got the newspaper out oh. and rolled it up and gone bang. <laughs> Is that naughty of me, oh, maybe? No, this dog, this dog was 60, 60 something kilos. He wouldn't have even heard him. He probably would have thought it was gay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But being outside, being away from his pack, mm. it was punishment enough. He wasn't yep. impressed. He didn't like it. Okay. Mm. They don't like solitary confinement, can I just tell you? <laughs> I mean, not for long periods of time. I have time out, the laundry. That's it. In the laundry you go and you sit there and I don't give him, I have a certain amount of time, that's it, usually 15 minutes. You can do whatever you like. And then when I come, I open up and I go, and they do that. It's the ears down. It's like, oh, dear, yep. sorry, Mum. So, and if you do it again, you straight back in the laundry again. That's it, the laundry. No, hey, no, Tan, no. nice to have you back on the on the radio after a couple of weeks short. And uh, stay well, stay well, because summertime is here. Yes. It is the time to party. Oh, it is. Thanks, Tanya. Woo! <laughs> that, that's, that's Tanya Middleton. She joins us every Saturday at home with the Gardening Gang, giving us all of our pet tips. Tips, Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy on this Saturday morning. It is the Gardening Gang, full of fun. And what a weekend it is, the last weekend of the speedboats down there at Gosford. And on that matter, a lot of people who have come to town to see that are inquiring about real estate there, tell me. And Lachlan McDonald's on the line joining us today from Ray White McDonald Partners. Have you found any of those uh, prospective um, buyers from the uh, from the World Championships, mate? Oh, Pete, they keep looking at waterfronts, but they're going past too quick. I don't know. They're not seeing much. <laughs> a bit hard to make contact with them. Uh, that's that's me. <laughs> well, listen, let's go on to a couple of things called myths. Now, we're doing a few myths in the garden this weekend, so I thought we'd sort of look at the various myths that are going around about real estate, and uh, you can give us an opinion of those uh, myths. Now, here's one. Um, a number of uh, people are suggesting that 2024 we'll see a big correction in prices in the marketplace. In other words, not prices going up, but prices going down. In some respects, they're saying 20 to 30% in values. Can you comment on that myth, Lachlan? Yeah, well, well, normally, you know, it's very hard to say with a lot of certainty what will or won't happen in the market. But in the case of that and in the case of what we're, what is likely to happen next year, I think we can very firmly say that that is a, a, a myth. And it would take something drastic that we don't already know about for that to take place. Um, if anything, um, the, the forces that are impacting the market 
mean that property prices are likely to continue growing next year. Would that be a, as a result of all this migration coming into Australia? Certainly is. Certainly is. It's one key thing. I think it's the, the largest uh, sort of you know immigration period that we've we, we've had on, on record, or something like that, or certainly yeah. a long time. I'm hearing anyway. So yeah. it, it's having a very big impact already. Um, we're seeing in Sydney that interest from foreign buyers is up, according to some agents. Believe it, Pete, six hundred percent on what it was Whoa, over the last few years. Okay. Just an influx of interest from foreign uh, foreign buyers looking to come here. So the numbers, like you know, five to six hundred thousand people have come into Australia this calendar year alone. So they've got to live somewhere. Yeah, it's not necessarily uh, that which is going to drive things on the coast. Uh, what it will continue to do is make Sydney more and more unaffordable. It's already very difficult for most people to afford some, uh, something in Sydney. So what that will do in turn is just continue to um, increase demand for areas like the Central Coast. Yeah. Okay, myth number two, renting is cheaper than buying. Yes, well, I mean, obviously it's, it's swung a little bit, uh, you know, back towards equilibrium depending on where you are with all the, uh, the interest rate rises, of course, Pete. Uh, for a while there, in a lot of places, it was far cheaper to buy than it was to rent. Yep. Um, but there's still a shortage of, uh, I would say, family homes for rent. If you're looking to lease an apartment, I'd say in a lot of areas you probably could still uh, lease better than you than you could uh, you could buy. Yeah. Um, but for a family home, I think that uh, the, there's so few available quality ones that realistically um, the rental values are very high for those properties. Well, I've heard of uh, places in Terrigal, basically a, a four-bedder, um, and asking and getting 1300 per week. Mm. Basically better than just a project house, but that's a lot of dollars, mate. You need to have quite a bit of income to afford that one. So maybe it, it is. is. But again, if you're looking at buying that, that sort of property, um, unless you've got equity, your mortgage payments were going to be still quite a bit more than that. Uh, you know, if, for example, uh, uh, let's say you're buying a home that you're going to borrow, let's say one and a half million, as it stands at the moment, you could probably be expecting to borrow, to be, to be paying rather in repayment, um, double that per week. Ah, uh, okay. So you need to be a couple of well-paid doctors. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. With one or two kids. Okay, that's uh, moving us now to the third myth we're going to talk about today is uh, these days you need a 20% deposit if you're a first home buyer. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, it's not been that way for a long time. You know, first home buyers have got plenty of options available to them to purchase without deposits even now. Oh, okay. Lots of guarantees, um, there's, there's schemes available to them. But even so, um, even without all of those things, there's still plenty of lenders that will lend to a first home buyer, you know, even with a lower deposit. What it does mean is that um, if you have a lower deposit, you'll have to pay for what they call lender's mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, again, a lot of people opt to do that um, just so they have the opportunity to get into their first home. Okay, well, that's uh, three myths you've uh, pretty much uh, answered there today. Uh, Lachlan, thank you so much for your time. Always good to catch up. And if you've got a busy weekend on the auction trail, mate, or not? Um, yeah. yeah, busy, busy, Pete. It's getting towards the end of the year, but it seems like one of those years where everyone wants something before Christmas, so it's pretty busy. Okay, thank you, Lachlan. Lachlan McDonald there from Ray White McDonald Partners, part of our Coast FM gardening gang today and every Saturday morning. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Pete. Feel right at home with the gardening gang. Coast FM 963. Coming up to the news at 10 o'clock this morning.